we're talking rural renaissance and also farmland as an investment. Staying with us, Dr. David Cole from the first segment. Also just joining us now, Lynn Paulson, Senior VP of Agribusiness Development at Bell Banks. So Lynn, welcome. It's great to see you again. Dr. Cole, thanks for sticking around. Dr. Cole, I want to mention to our audience, we're going to let Lynn start here, but you were here a couple years ago and you talked about how great of an investment farmland is and now you see Bill Gates and major hedge funds, you know, investing in farmland and then when you were here in July, one of the things that really jumped out to me was this idea of rural renaissance. Many people leaving suburbia or you know Manhattan and saying, hey, look, I can work on Wall Street from Oaks, North Dakota, for example. So just want to get your assessment on that, Lynn, and what uh, he's been talking about. Yeah, I, I think it's happening a little bit. Um, you know, and the people in the COVID era uh, decided they, there was a better life for them in the rural areas and they were able to work remotely. and. You know, kind of the great equalizer a little bit was, you know, things like Amazon and real-time information and, and, and things that they could get. Um, but, you know, the farmland ownership deal, that, that's, you know, it's, it's getting more and more in the hands of a few. And as Dr. Cole has said many times, uh, I think you need to be concerned about um, how that affects your next generation of young farmers and, you know, and entrepreneurship and, and things like that. So the consolidation starts in farmland, but it ultimately consolidates in the farms. Not only that, Dr. Cole, but I like your take on what does it mean for our food consumption? I mean, if they own the land, I don't know if they can dictate exactly what's grown there, but is there going to be some changes? And I think you even touched on this when you were here in July about we could see a lot more plant protein. Yeah, uh, one of the big trends, Chris, that I'm seeing, you walk into any grocery store, of course, in here, Blacksburg, Virginia Tech University, the number of alternative uh, products, whether it's for milk or whether it's meat, and by the way, some of these people who are investing in farmland uh, are pushing or behind these uh, products out there. And I want to piggyback on Lynn's comments. America was built on small business and entrepreneurship. And my fear is that too much land will get in the hands of uh, too few people and it'll turn, uh, you know, our young farmers and ranchers, uh, economic serfs to the uh, uh, big folks out here. So I think we're going to have to watch this watch this uh, very closely and not only are they buying farmland they're buying up uh, water rights uh, and uh, mineral rights and so it goes beyond that but again this rural renaissance is alive and well probably in about 90 percent uh, of the united states because what's happening is who wants to live in some of the major cities uh, uh, today where it's high cost uh, also, you've got the crime issues, the commuting issues, and so we're going to continue to uh, see this, you know, throughout the decade of the 20s. So you got a lot of, uh, you know, landowners watching the show tonight. So I want to go to both of you and say, okay, so I'm a, I'm a landowner, and a Bill Gates or a hedge fund comes to me and says they're going to overpay for my land, and then I start to think about, hey, there's this potential death tax coming down the pipeline. They're going to get rid of the basis point stuff. I mean there's some potential policy that I might just say, you know what, just give me the cash and I'll flip it into a, I mean, so I guess my question for you guys is what do you suggest to farmers right now that potentially could have a big payday on their land, but what are some of those repercussions? You know, I think one of the big issues is, is not only who will own the farmland, but who owns the farmland now. And, you know, quite frankly, if it's a established producer um, and, and he's worried about or, or cognizant about the next generation who's farming, he might do the right thing. But ultimately a lot of this land goes to the next generation and those kids may not 
or the next generation may not have that same connection to the land as a landowner and they're just interested in, 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 the, in the bottom line. I was down in Iowa last, uh, last week and talking to one of our large producers, whatever, and there is a very, very wealthy uh, person out of Arkansas right now that is up and buying Iowa farmland and he's got certain criteria and he goes to the auction, he just comes home with it. He, he's, he's buying massive amounts of farmland and then cherry picking who's gonna, who's gonna be farming it, that type of thing. So it, it's happening. Um, and you know, if, again, if you're searching for the you know the the, the best dollar, you're gonna you're gonna go with that. But ultimately, that could be the, you know, <laughs> that could be the start of the downfall about really what what, what built American agriculture. And Dr. Cole, I want to piggyback on that because he just talked about the best dollar. I mean, it's definitely not the greenbacks that we have now, as we're dumping trillions and trillions of them into the system. And that's why, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my opinion. If I'm a wealthy guy from Arkansas or Bill Gates, I'm I'm buying land too because I know that the, the greenback's not worth as much. Exactly. One of the things is if you look at farmland, you go back uh, to 1910, Chris, 79% of the time it either remained stable or increased in value. And as Lynn mentioned uh, prior to the program, the returns have been about uh, 10%. So it's a great hedge against some of the other economic factors that we have out there. And then if you fast forward World War II to 2020, it's 88% of the time. And so wow. uh, again, land is a uh, you know very, very good investment and it's what's under that land, the water, uh, mm. the minerals that are also uh, uh, adding value. Dr. Cole, uh, Lynn, as always, we really appreciate the time and the insight. We could do this for much longer, but instead we're just gonna have you back in the very near future, okay? Sounds good. Awesome. Appreciate it. But Dr. David Cole, we've had him on before, Professor Emeritus of Ag and Finance at Virginia Tech. He was in Fargo recently, thanks to Bell Bank, doing a, just a great, great conversation, talking about rural renaissance, things of that nature. So we're going to get to some of that tonight as well. Dr. Cole, always great to see you, and thank you so much for your time, sir. Um, a lot happened. I want to get into Hurricane Ida and some of the impact that could potentially have on ag, but I want to start with just because you and I get a chance to visit, you know, fairly often or so, but if you were to give sort of a, an agricultural state of the nation right now to America, right? Like a joint session of Congress, like what would you say? The state of the state of agriculture right now could be succinctly uh, caution and uncertainty. And, and here, here's what's happening. We're in a transition phase, Chris, uh, where we've come off 2020 uh, with record amounts of money coming from the government into agriculture. Actually, Chris, 61% of net farm income uh, was with the government, compounded with high commodity prices before inflated cost. Uh, people had some of the best years they ever had. However, as we go into 2022, we have inflated cost compounded by uncertainty in markets. And Chris, I'm going to be very candid with you. There is very little news on agriculture trade policy and where one in five dollars in net farm income uh, is derived through export markets. Uh, whether I talk to lenders, agriculture producers, agribusiness people, I would say the key word is uncertainty uh, and very, very cautious. So speaking of uncertainty, we all know what's happening with Hurricane Ida. Obviously, some of the ports now are shut down. So that is only going to add, I, I presume, to the uncertainty. What's your assessment of what does this mean for, because we've seen a large sell-off in the grains the past couple of days because of this. Yeah, it's real interesting. Uh, uh, the hurricane is just outside our door. It's uh, coming through here at Virginia Tech. 
I would be here in about, oh, two or three hours. And uh, one of the things, I think you hit it right in the nail on the head, it's the port issue rather than hitting the cropland. Of course, it's going to impact cotton, soybeans, because a lot of soybeans and cotton and some corn is right there in the Mississippi Delta. But it's the port backup and the ability to the, for those ports to get, you know, back into motion because a lot of our grains uh, go through the port of New Orleans. And, you know, Chris, this uh, kind of highlights uh, how concentrated agriculture is today in both supply and marketing chains and weather events like Hurricane Ida can really throw markets uh, uh, to a, a tither. And so what you're going to see is a lot of choppiness uh, in the uh, marketplace here uh, over the next uh, uh, couple of months. I will have to tell you uh, that as far as weather is concerned, I am shifting the emphasis now down into the southern hemisphere because, see, they're coming into the planting season. And so watching uh, uh, the weather, uh, the moisture content uh, going on in Brazil and Argentina is going to be very, very critical. And, and so some of what's going to happen moving forward uh, will pertain to the southern hemisphere. So let's talk about the Midwest where we're located here for this show and with the drought that's been taking place. <clears throat> I was reading earlier today, some of the corn soy crops quickly starting to turn yellow according to some reports. I mean, what's your assessment on what kind of yields we're gonna see coming out of the Midwest? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, where you are in the Dakotas, and I, I love coming up in your area or Western Minnesota. Uh, of course, we've had a lot of dry weather and it's really gonna impact yield and, and quality. Yeah, you know, Chris, I've been on the road eight weeks since I've been with you folks uh, uh, there in Fargo. And uh, you go through Illinois, you go through the Eastern Corn Belt, you've got uh, record yields out there. And so kind of my assessment uh, as I'm looking at crops uh, nationwide, uh, what may be hindered in your area is probably going to be made up in some of the other areas. Uh, but we're going to have to watch frost dates and we're going to, of course, have to watch uh, harvesting uh, conditions, but make no bones about it. Uh, you folks really, really uh, struggled this year, of course, with that moisture. And, and again, when I came to Fargo, I brought some rain that day. I wish I, I probably <laughs> a couple more days. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, moving forward, we're also going to have to look at moisture as we go into next year as it pertains to your area of the country. And it's real interesting. I've been doing a number of programs with meteorologist uh, Eric Snodgrass out of Illinois. He's just a great meteorologist. And he said something that's real interesting, Chris. Uh, you know, I want to hit in your viewpoint here. He said the dry line is moving 85 miles east each year. In other words, the western part of the United States is getting drier and it's moving east. And he says the eastern part of the United States is actually getting uh, more moisture. And so it's going to be interesting watch in future years uh, how this impacts where we grow crops, how we grow crops, seed technology, etc. So it is an interesting dynamic out there. Boy, that's fascinating. I want to ask you this, and we're going to get more into the next segment, but um, I was just talking to somebody where you said there's a lot of uncertainty right now for ag. Many people that I talk to right now, Dr. Cole, you can just feel, I'll call it a tension right now across the nation, right? So my question to you, as I said to people, look, you think it's tense now? Wait till we get into 2022 when the U.S. House is at stake. We ain't seen nothing yet. Where do you see farmers and egg producers potentially getting in the crosshairs 
from this political debate that's going to take place next year in our country? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I just wrote a promo and uh, basically says stepping up your game plan uh, for 2022 and 2023. And you know what? I, I basically said, well, preseason, the regular season's over. Now we're in the playoffs. And one of the things about being in the playoffs, uh, we're going to see more intense competition. China is moving full steam ahead. Well, we bicker here in the United States. We have no trade policy. And so one of the elements is that as we move forward, uh, being having this financial and business IQ and, and doing some planning, managing around the things that uh, you can't control and managing the controllables is going to be real critical. And, you know, Chris, we're on this uh, what I call economic and financial roller coaster. And, and, and one of the things is it's not only financial and economic implication, but it's emotional implication. Yes. And so I really feel a lot of tension coming in 2022, 2023, post-government uh, support. you got to remember, these government supports, these stimulus checks, they were basically like steroid. You played football. Uh, you know some of the folks that were on steroids, et cetera. And, and one of the things is we basically had not only the ag economy, but the U.S. economy on these steroids. And uh, it just brought a sense of complacency. And, and a lot of people are very, very tense with our debt buildup nationwide, uh, with uncertainty in government. It brings a lot of tension. But, Chris, like an athlete, one of the things athletes, uh, basically, what do you have to do? Focus on your fundamentals. And, uh, you know, seven out of 10 times, it's going to bring you through. Man, I love having you on. You're using sports analogies. I, I can relate.